0: So you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose SixthSense, Sense, visit SixthSense.com.
1: Well, we identified Zachinlo low a little bit earlier. Last year, I think it was mid-year...
0: That's Bogdan Bodazatu from Bitdefender. He's a senior research analyst, and the research we're discussing today is titled Six Years and Counting, Inside the Complex Zachinlo Ad Fraud Operation.
1: Well, we were looking for some samples that looked to be a rootkit. That's what we were after. So uh, we were looking through our malware zoo, looking for uh, similar samples to a rootkit we had under the microscope. And we realized that we had some samples for quite a while that we didn't look at. So when we opened them up, we realized that they had not been documented before. I see. It took us about a year to carry this research because of the sheer complexity of the malware.
0: Yeah, and and it is a complex bit of malware. So let's begin at the beginning here. Walk us through what's going on here and how does one find themselves infected?
1: The initial attack avenue looks to be a fake VPN solution that the user downloads hoping to have their web traffic shielded from snooping. However, under the fake interface, there's nothing that provides a VPN service, but rather a complex downloader that brings all these components to the user's computer and then starts mining for ads and clicking on uh, on these ads.
0: So there isn't actually a real VPN running, it's just a fake interface.
1: Exactly. And uh, what we saw in our telemetry is that it mostly affects United States customers, along with several other countries. We presume that this VPN uh, application has been advertised. Uh, Hackers have kind of created some marketing campaigns around them, maybe some landing pages, maybe uh, they bought some advertising-leading people. To this download, maybe some social media advertising, and so on, because the malware is strictly spread across several countries, while other countries do not see any traces of this incident.
0: Mm, interesting. Well, let's walk through it step by step here. So, someone uh, they install what they think is this VPN software, and that's when the malware kicks into gear. What happens?
1: The malware brings some extra components on the system, some of them uh, being related to displaying ads and some of them being related to cloaking the malware from the operating system or from the antivirus itself. And this was the part that uh, actually caught our attention because there are several families of advertising fraud bots. Spread across the internet, but none of them seems to be as resilient or as difficult to remove as this family of malware. This is something that you don't see often when working in cybersecurity. Rootkit based malware is still under 1% of the global amount of infections we see. That's why we, we treat it as a special day when we see rootkit based malware working on Windows 10, for instance.
0: And it does focus on Windows 10. So once it uh, gets installed, what happens next?
1: The user will have no idea what's happening because the malware is very, very optimized for silence. Unlike crypto ransomware, for instance, which displays immediate signs of infection, this piece of malware can only produce money for its owners for as long as it runs on the computer. So the longer the detection time frame the more money it's able to make for the bad guys. It stays silent and undetected. It does a security sweep of your uh, computer to see if you're infected with other malware or not. If it finds competing adware products on the computer, it will try to uninstall them in order to make sure that it gets the most attention. And by most attention, I mean that it redirects all the computing power towards what it's instructed to do. Uh, it opens up browsers in invisible windows and it starts loading the hackers ads inside. It has a very nice feature because it mimics user behavior. In those invisible browsers, it displays content along with the hackers ads and it mimics like some there's a human person looking at the browser's window. It scrolls up, down, it underlines words and so on in order to trick the machine learning algorithms trained to spot fraud. It impersonates basically the human's behavior to trick the advertiser's anti-fraud detection mechanisms into thinking that that's legitimate behavior coming from the user. Of course, it clicks on those ads from time to time, and each click on the ad gets it a cut of the commission.
0: So that's how they're making money is by generating these artificial click throughs.
1: Yes, this behavior is called advertising click fraud, and it has been around for a while, but the Zachinlo malware takes it to a whole new level. It's much more sophisticated, it's extremely configurable, and this is what made it last for so long. The malware has operated for the past six years undetected. Uh, even if security solutions at some point might have caught it, it didn't draw enough attention to warrant a full review of the malware. So maybe it was mistaken as a generic trojan or maybe it was labeled as a traditional ad fraud abuser. But what's inside of the chindo is basically a technological goldmine. It can conceal itself from the operating system. It can impact the antivirus' operation on that machine. It looks for specific processes and tries to kill them in order to stay undetected. Most likely, it is very effective because judging by the number of updates we've seen, more than 2,500 updates in the past six years, this operation requires heavy maintenance. And hackers have put a lot of effort into improving it, into maintaining it, making sure that it's tested and it works great so they have some sort of quality assurance processes. Maintaining this kind of malware is expensive. So probably they're getting a lot of revenue by just operating them to justify the effort.
0: And I suppose they may be investing in advertising this fake VPN. So they may be putting some money out there as well.
1: Yes, um, in the business world, in the real business world, you have to fork out money to make money. And this happens to the cybercrime ecosystem as well. More and more uh, cybercriminal groups actually operate uh, like businesses, for instance, they advertise themselves or they invest a lot of money in getting high quality translations for ransomware, for instance, that goes international. And it has to be localized into the user's native language to maximize the revenue and so on. So, yes, I think that there's a lot of effort cyber criminals have put into developing, maintaining and advertising this strain of malware.
0: Now, this malware has some fairly sophisticated methods for maintaining persistence. Can you take us through what's going on there?
1: Yes. The first thing that's noticeable is the way the rootkit protects the entire malware and its files. It's the first step towards persistence because just by shielding it with such an advanced technology, the antivirus solution cannot detect and block any of its components. Secondly, in order to minimize the noise, the malware makes a lot of use of the Windows registry to store configuration files, to store binary files, and to make sure that there's no file left when a reboot or a shutdown operation is initiated. It dissolves itself by overwriting all the files with zeros. So in case of a forensic analysis between restarts, for instance, there's no traces left behind for a security company, for instance, to to analyze. This is quite an advanced job that we rarely see in commercial deployments of malware.
0: So it's loading itself into RAM when the system boots and then operating, and then on shutdown it, it scrubs the files that it loaded from, and then rewrites random files. Am I following you correctly there?
1: Yes, exactly. It creates new files uh, in new locations in order to perpetuate this infection. So even if you knew the previous locations where the malware hides its files, after a new restart, most of the files will be located somewhere else. It gives the security solution a run for its money while it's operating.
0: And and how does it go about uh, evading antivirus and other security solutions?
1: The first thing that the malware does is looking for uh, processes that are known to be associated with security solution. It looks inside the processes memory for strings that might give away the fact that they're uh, a security solution. Secondly, it looks at the digital certificates of the processes running uh, into the memory and looking for known vendors of security solutions. And because it has tremendous access to the operating systems kernel, the malware can actually shut the security solution down, or at least cripple several of its processes in order to make sure that the anti-malware solution does not run a scan on those files. Hmm. Now,
0: what is going on in terms of communications with the command and control server?
1: Uh, The communication with the command and control server is extremely complex. The malware has several components that talk to the command and control center trying to get new campaigns, making sure that the bots installed on the computer are running the latest version available and they download the new versions if the bots are outdated. There's also uh, an extremely uh, well-written framework that acts as a downloader To minimize the noise it creates on the computer, it uses a scripting language that's called Lua, which is not the go-to tool for writing this kind of of updaters, just to make sure that it doesn't look suspicious to the antivirus when it downloads files from the command and control center. It also reports to the command and control center the user's configuration, some machine-specific things, and the operating system the user installs. Additionally, it also sends screenshots to the command and control center. This is extremely unusual for a piece of uh, aggressive adware. It's more custom to e-banking Trojans or to advanced persistent threats, but we presume that it's not intended for data exfiltration, but rather to make sure that the malware does not crash by sending screenshots every several minutes to the command and control center, the malware tells the crooks that there are no browser windows visible, that shouldn't be visible, that the malware does not generate errors, that there's no security solution installed and blinking all the lights red on the the victim's computer and so on. And the last part of the command and control uh, center handles the way ads get delivered. These hackers have put up a very interesting mechanism that updates the advertising campaigns in real time. The command and control center sends what ads should be displayed and clicked by the malware. And it also sends the publisher IDs that should get the revenue for these click throughs. So, um, hackers have some sort of a failback mechanism. If one of the advertiser IDs gets blocked for abuse, they will send different advertiser IDs to cash the money. Now, given the
0: sophistication of what's going on here, what are your notions in terms of attribution? Do you have any sense for who's behind this?
1: It's very difficult to tell. Because it targets a wide range of geographies from the United States to Indonesia, it's very hard to tell who is behind it. Secondly, this is a commercial threat. So It doesn't use or reuse techniques or tactics that we have seen in the past used in advanced persistent threats or in different malware families. It looks like it's a standalone operation that is operated by somebody who didn't have any contact or didn't have any previous operations that we know of. That's the beauty of advertising fraud. These guys can be pretty much anywhere in the world and targeting different countries, So it's very difficult to attribute it to a specific actor or to a specific country.
0: So what are your recommendations in terms of uh, people protecting themselves against this?
1: First and foremost, good protection uh, starts with good prevention. The first and most effective way of staying safe is having a security solution that's able to intercept that fake VPN installer in the first place. Secondly, uh, when it comes to this specific attack, a rootkit-based piece of malware can compromise the system and the antivirus running atop of it. So um, it's very difficult to remove it unless you either format the computer and install a new operating system from scratch, or you use a live CD to boot a security solution in rescue mode and run a system scan outside of the operating system. The operating system will lie to the antivirus and to the user as to whether it's infected or not because that's the mission of the rootkit, to conceal the infection from the security solution and from the user. That's why we highly recommend that the users get a bootable USB drive Or a live CD, if they have a a CD slot on on their machines, and boot from that live CD or USB drive to initiate a scan.
0: Now, is there an easy
1: way for someone to
0: check to see if they're infected by this?
1: The only way that would work 100% is to use the live CD. By initiating a scan from inside the operating system, you wouldn't get accurate results. But be aware that whenever your antivirus behaves erratically or uh, your computer is sluggish, this could be a telltale sign of infection. So if you have any doubts, you should run a live CD. Some antivirus solutions have the option of rebooting in a rescue mode from the user interface. So there's no need to burn a CD or create a USB installer if your antivirus solution supports booting into a rescue mode.
0: Now, what is your sense for how widespread this is, and, and are there? Is it hitting specific types of systems, and are other types of systems uh, not at risk?
1: Uh, we have seen it working on most modern operating systems. Oddly enough, all the reports show that most of the victims uh, run Windows 10, Windows 8, Windows 8.1, or Windows 7. We don't have one single victim that runs Windows XP, for instance. But normally, you would expect these kind of threats to affect obsolete operating system or unsupported operating system. It's a good sign that hackers are riding on the adoption wave of modern operating systems and uh, they are developing with the new platforms in mind. So uh, they're aligning their creations to the newest operating systems to make sure that they make the most uh, out of the new systems. Also, most likely, Uh, Whoever uh, got Windows 10 installed on the computer, chances are that they have a very new and very powerful computer that has much more resources that can be redirected to advertising fraud than uh, other people running Windows XP, for instance.
0: Our thanks to Bogdan Bodazatu from Bitdefender for joining us. The research is titled, Six Years and Counting, Inside the Complex Zachinlo Ad Fraud Operation. We'll have a link to it in our show notes. You can also find it on the Bitdefender website. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport.